achieved anything. <laughs> Hello everyone, my name is Henry and welcome to the Pink Bike Racing Podcast, aka the Bucket Boys. I'm joined by Harry Jenkinson, filmer extraordinaire, and Mr. Big Daddy Ben Cathro. Now I think this could be our best audio to date, as Harry has, and I quote, intervened to stop us <laughs> to stop ourselves hurting each other anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Currently, it looks like I'm staring at the bad end as some kind of small mammal, and sadly this episode won't include any sweat intermissions. Although, you're more than welcome to take it upon yourself to pause it and have a good airing just if you need to. Now, what a weekend in Valnord. Before we get to rating, let's rant a little. Ben, is this the worst World Cup you've ever been to in terms of organisation? Yes. It's been awful. Yes. I mean... <laughs> Like organising is a massive, massive kind of subject. A very specific part of the organisation was lacking. Mm. And that was the logistics for the downhill part of the event. Yes. And uh, yeah, we, it's been ranted about in several of our videos and uh, it will be ranted about on this podcast as well. Yeah, I mean, so just for those that don't know, normally... Valnord is, I think, probably one of the best World Cups to work at. Mm -hmm. It runs like clockworks. You have a really big pit at the top of the lift that runs from a town called Lemasana. Mm -hmm. And basically, you descend from there. So it means you warm up in your pits. It's yep. great. The lift is super efficient. Mm -hmm. This track is great. But old um, Big Boots Max Commensal decided to build a hotel on the track. I believe that's the rumour. That's the rumour. I think it's all getting... He owns Andorra, apparently. Oh, does it's he? All... Oh, good on him. Good on him. Just, yeah. Here for the aluminium mines, no doubt. Uh, that's it, yeah. But, well, basically, for whatever reason, there isn't being a hotel built at the bottom of the old run. Yeah. So they've got the XC and they've got the downhill. And so we got there early and um, expected to pit up at the top. And they said, oh, no, we've got a special treat. You're in the, you're in the other pits, which is like one and a half K down. It's like 7% road. Mm. So, but don't worry, it's closer to the finish. Yeah, it's closer to the finish <laughs> and it's closer to the second lift. Perfect. Mm. So it's about one half K down the road. And honestly, it's hot. There's just no way you could get from our pits to the actual pits on a downhill bike. No. It would just be, it's a right. You would, you would, yeah, you would just lose all your fluids and then collapse into a crusty mess on the yeah. side of the road. Yeah. Basically. So there were two lifts running from the top of the main pits and our B pits to halfway down the racetrack mm -hmm. which then weren't running yeah and we only found out they weren't running on the morning of practice yeah so we'll get there we'll get this lift up and you can ride down to the then you get the lift to the top no awful and anyway <laughs> then there was a shuttle that wasn't running on the first day yeah the bus was just parked and it, you know it looked really fancy it was electric bus oh it was lovely parked. it was beautiful yes. um pete Basically, we set the riders off. Yeah, just go to that lift. And he thought, I'm just going to go check. And found them walking up the like two kilometre hill from the roundabout to the... Because once you descend down, you're then stuck. Mm -hmm. And you can't... You've got... Anyway. <laughs> and so basically, we put up our pits, which we pay for. We mm -hmm. didn't use them. And the bucket boys pitted out of a gutter. There was literally a gutter. And we had one of the good spots. We, we had oh, a good that, gutter. The, the gutter was the A star. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was shade and it was next to the flipping... The, the finish and the chairlift. It yeah. was, that was a quality gutter. But all the elite teams were told about this in advance. At least they had a better understanding of it because they had a secondary pit space. Mm -hmm. But they all went and put their massive trucks at the top yep. and then pit, pitted out of like, you know, yep. 24MX easy ups. Yeah. And it was just crap. And like, 
Because basically, I think the event was, I gather, oversubscribed because they asked us to reduce our pit space. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And then I also heard of teams who'd been asked to go down from like nine meters to seven meters, mm-hmm. which they did, but they still got pushed down to the pits down the road mm-hmm. and they still got charged for nine meters. Mm-hmm. I just think like, I know it's a massive undertaking and I can't organize a piss mm-hmm. in a brewery, let alone a functioning podcast or decent audio <laughs> levels, but this is the mountain biking world cup. Yeah. This is as good as it gets. It wasn't a great advert. It was for mm. the spectators, there are people queuing for hours just to get home, hitchhiking mm-hmm. down the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, you know when um, you see like, and now from West Hertfordshire, because there's been an illegal rave and there's loads of dehydrated teenagers wandering around, lost and confused. Yeah. That's what it was like after qualifying. <laughs> Everyone just like, well, <laughs> it looks like we're starting a new life here in Andorra because <laughs> we're never getting home. Um, that, that was our rant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wanted to let... I didn't want to get in the way of that. Oh, That's no. been storing up for a while. Oh, it has. My, my, my therapist will be hearing about this. <laughs> I mean, it was similar for the media as well. It was yeah. tough. I went to the pits no times. Yeah. So we didn't have pits. No. So no. like, if I, I literally never went there. Well, that's like, six, 600 euros that was just pretty much just set on fire. On the first day, I was like, oh, I'll go and put my tripod in. That's what I normally do. And then if I'm not shooting, I can put my camera on the tripod. I just never used it. But the, the stupid thing is that because we pitched it up early, everyone realised what a shit show it was after we pitted it up. And mm. then, and I quote, it was a free-for-all at the other place. Mm. So you had, once you got to the finish line and upwards, that was all, and the cars were getting towed, it was a bit of a mess. Mm. There were people that were trying to have a holiday that just woke up in the morning and found a whole mountain biking, you know, circus had sprung up around them. But then basically from the road down below the lift, it was just like a free-for-all in terms of people just pitting up. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think <sighs> they sort of just gave up at one point. And I'm like, mm. well, I guess... It's, this is just going to happen. Like They couldn't control everyone. No. Yeah. But I think the organisers, the, the individuals were trying really hard. It was a really stressful situation. Mm-hmm. It's not to call them out. It's just uh, they, they deserved more. I think the riders deserved more. Mm. And putting up a tent to never use it and then take it down for five days and pay for the pleasure mm-hmm. was a bit bit too much. It's also like it just exaggerates the like not a level playing field situation because... We are a smaller team and we had a deck chair and a cool box. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, even just to have an easy up there mm. would have made a huge difference to yeah. us. The sun was brutal. The fact that all of us are very, very fatigued and... Absolutely my, fried. My knees are glowing. Oh, they are. Wow, look at that. It's like the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> Harry's eyes are melting out his head. Nuclear fission. <clears throat> Well, the welfare of riders brings me neatly onto the next point. So there has been all the beginnings of a riders' union formed. Now, Harry, you're a filmer, so you're probably all arty-farty and realistically, realistically, probably a radicalised Marxist. You probably learnt that in some kind of art school you presumably went to. That's actually not far from the truth. <laughs> what is a union and why would you want to be in one? Just because I'm from the north, I guess. Unionisation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so... Help us out. Do we call people scum or scabs when they break the picket? Scabs. <laughs> um, I just want Billy Elliot 2 to come out, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's just all about like, but I've got to ride my bike, Dad. <laughs> so why would you want to be in a union? Why would you want to be in a union? I guess like they need some... I think what it is, is that people need control. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's got to a certain point now where no one knows anything. The rumour mill is kicking up a fuss and everyone's just starting to second guess everything and the paranoia is set in. Yes. And I think that because of that, people want some sense that they have control over what is going to happen. Mm. And like, the way to do that is to have collective power. 
Mm. So if hypothetically everything was terrible and the worst fears came true, at least there's some level of control where you mm. could push back and you mm. could have some degree of negotiation because Ben Cathro raised his finger. Okay. And just to clarify for viewers that don't know, the reason that everyone is kind of unsure is because of Discovery taking over yeah. the rights and the control of the World Cups. So we don't know what they're going to look like next year. We don't know if the rules are going to change. We don't know if the numbers are going to change. We don't know what's going to change. So that's, so that's it's like one of the school, reasons. Where like, yeah. It's like the rumor mill is just like, it's it's someone on the hill, they were like, oh my God, this thing's going to happen. And then like, oh, did you hear? Like it's just because yeah. there's no information, it's just like accelerating. Okay, so, you know, talk about balanced broadcasting and I love the fact that there's a dog barking in the background to add an air of authenticity to the Bucket Boys mm-hmm. podcast. We're not editing this out. It's a mm-hmm. one-take job. <laughs> ben, why wouldn't you want to be in a union? Or what could the possible drawbacks be? Interesting. Um, it's not something I've considered until about three seconds ago. So why wouldn't you want to be potentially slightly more work? But also, what if, what <laughs> like if, I, what if yeah. they call a strike for something that you don't agree with? You've got a strike. I don't think it's official. I don't think it's official enough yet. I don't think it's like if the union strikes, you have to strike. No one's signed any contracts or signed up for anything. I think it's more just a vehicle to voice our opinions in an organised way between all the people that are involved, and then hopefully take that to the organisers. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a union in your classical terms. It's more just slightly more organised than people posting things on Instagram <laughs> and that yeah. kind of stuff. And so what? Uh, to your knowledge, could you talk about this particular potential setup in terms of how many riders are in it mm-hmm. and and what your perception is of that? So I asked about trying to be more involved in it. And at the moment, because everyone wants to be involved, everyone who races a World Cup would want to be there because not knowing is kind of hard. So if they had everyone, it would just be an absolute mess. So what they've done is they've restricted it to top 30 elite men, top 15 elite women, and then top three junior uh, male and females. Um, and I don't know if team managers are involved yet. I think it is just the riders. Well, I imagine, not, I imagine this is something because the the team managers do have their own yes, sort of group. Absolutely. The elite team managers have yeah. their own group and have their own meetings and are in direct discussion with I the ESO. bet they just swill brandy and fucking eat caviar. and Like, the privateers... Get them out! (laughs) (laughs) Those scum! Yeah, basically. I mean, you know, often me and you will, on a Thursday night when they're having their meeting, go, you know, steam at the windows as we try and look in at this. I mean, it's basically The Great Gatsby. It's pretty wild in there. Um, But no, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I I think it is great to see the riders have a bigger say. And... Sorry, we will get to this race before. I mean, it just feels like we've accidentally stumbled upon content. And I really feel we shouldn't, we shouldn't let this go. So um, with that in mind, do you think this race was perhaps, if we put the organisation to one side, or maybe, maybe that would have coloured it, but the track was had enough peculiarities that it would have triggered action by a riders' union? Or do you think it was just below the threshold? I think it did trigger action because they actually talked about the track at the union meeting mm. um, and uh, traditionally the way it's worked is there's one rider representative who if people have any issues they would approach them and then they would take the, the issue to the UCI but I think that old process was too uh, 
can't think of the word, it was too relaxed because mm. it required someone to seek them out. Whereas I think there should be meetings. There should be like, right, we're having a meeting. You take everything to the right representative and it'll be taken to the UCI and this should be a regular thing. Maybe it does happen. Maybe I'm totally out of the loop. But uh, a few things were raised and bits of the track got changed after discussion with the riders. Some, but not all. The use of rubber matting mm-hmm. was... Excessive. Excessive. Some would say. <laughs> I mean, you know, the speed these riders are going, I mean, doing a drop off rubber matting onto mm. rubber matting isn't necessarily problematic in itself. Mm-hmm. However, I think having it on a turn, mm-hmm. the speed these riders are coming, the being flat afterwards onto tarmac, mm-hmm. and riders at that level will scrub. Mm-hmm. We'll try and scrub speed, which mm-hmm. on rubber matting is sketchy as shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you think that would have been, if they'd had a more formal union, that had been like, I, mean, I don't know what they could have done, but it just felt like anyone that's ever ridden a bike would have gone, that's horrible, that. Mm-hmm. It's not a case of skill, it's a case of just like, unnecessary, mm-hmm. you know? Um, what, what Do you think that was bad enough? Why, why wasn't that removed well, if they did have I, to say? I think it probably was mentioned, but, it wasn't bad enough. I wasn't involved, so it's it's just speculation. Mm-hmm. Um, the rubber matting has is used at other World Cups, um, and I think it you can deal with it. It's not a game breaker kind of thing. You know, you, you can kind of work around it. Whereas other things were genuinely dangerous. And I, just, I think the rubber matting can be gen- genuinely dangerous. To be fair, so I don't know. Maybe it was raised. Maybe it wasn't. Yeah, it would have been a big big effort to change I was gonna say I saw like a because I'm not super experienced with World Cups a lot of it's like quite new to me and I was like on track and there was like that I don't know how you describe it it was like a stump gap thing that like you know where I saw you mm-hmm. and like basically I was stood there for like 10 minutes and people just started hooking it mm-hmm. and like two people just exploded and it was like it like got my adrenaline going it was that gnarly I was mm-hmm. like whoa this is scary and then like <laughs> Bernard Kerr just comes down and just immediately takes control. He's like, put the yellow flag out. Get the guys down here with the chainsaws. And within 10 minutes, it was like all done. Mm. And I was like, that's sick. That like he had that much like thing to just be like, right, I'm changing the situation. But then also like, it seems so sketchy to me that like it was that on the fly. Mm. Yeah, I think there's also an element of, because these World Cups are made to be really difficult. And it's like, I think you do have a bit of, um, a bit of power when you're someone that knows like, like it's like if if a hook is if Bernard Kerr's like that hook sketchy, he's like an authority. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I wonder if that coloured it at all. Whether they just saw this man from England shouting at them and they're all fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well it was it to me, I was just like so unaware of the mechanics of how that whole situation worked. I was just baffled by the whole thing. Mm. I was so just like, Whoa. It, it would normally get fed back to the technical delegate, which is uh, I think that Jorge. Jorge. Yeah. Um so it must have been nothing gets changed on the track without his approval. Radios were used. Yeah. But then yeah. just like a team of four bandits with chainsaws turned up and the track was changed. <laughs> the spectators, you mean? <laughs> yeah. They just reattached the blades <laughs> and off they went. <laughs> so this was a fast, dry, dusty race. We've seen to be complaining about wet races for all so long. Mm. And now, I mean, I, I have no moisture left in my body. I'm just like a raisin. Um, the junior women had, you know, I mean... It feels like for the juniors, I mean, a lot of them, I think, were, were quite taken aback by the track mm-hmm. um, just because the the high, high, high speed mm-hmm. um, and blown out nature of it. Phoebe Gale, though, rose to the occasion, putting 
you know, six seconds into Gracie Hemstreet, mm. who is no slouch by any means. And you'd mm. think, looking at big berms and big jumps, mm-hmm. she'd probably be the one, you know, your money's on, on current form. Jenna Hastings came in third. Um, Lisa uh, Bouladou, I hope I pronounced that right, a French name that I probably butchered. And Isabella Yankova in fifth. Interestingly enough, between third and fifth, they're all within a second of each other. So mm. really close racing again in the junior women. Um, Amy came a little bit behind that. I think she was sort of... I think she was initially quite taken aback by the track this weekend. Yeah, she said she really struggled yeah. like, for the first half of the day. Just like... Yeah, found it really hard to ride. Big jumps, so she was daunted by that. Crazy loose dust, which is, we don't rarely, rarely ever get in the UK. So yeah, she was just trying to figure things out for that first practice day. And she made some really good progress, but it's the speed on that kind of terrain, it's hard to get acclimatized in what, six hours of practice. Yeah, yeah a yeah. few runs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Harry, you know, we've got Ben here, obviously a World Cup racer. Me and you are here as the mere mortals. What do you think of the track? Do you think it'd be fun to ride? Yeah, I kind of wanted to have a go, yeah. but I wouldn't want to race it. No, you wouldn't want to race it. I was like, it looked like the sort of place that like you and your mates would have an absolute blast. Mm. But to then think about like, how fast could I do this? Mm. Like there's just, I mean, anyway, like just, I find like dusty stuff because I'm not used to it. Like just really unpredictable and mm. hard to push. So I think that I would have liked to have a blast, but like watching people start to act, like the first part of practice was sick because everyone was just like whipping stuff and having fun. Mm. Then like it got serious and it was like the mood shifted and I was like, oh my God, this is gnarly. <laughs> It got real. Yeah, it did. It was like a proper event to behold. Were you having fun, Ben? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed running the track. Mm. It was, uh, although, I mean, yeah, I don't get to ride that kind of stuff quite often. I mean, I've raced for a long time and I have a quite a bit of experience of riding quite dry, dusty tracks like that. And other than just being too hot and sweating a lot and, yeah, kind of struggling with that, actually riding it, I really enjoy. It's mm. something just unlike what uh, I would normally ride and I enjoy new or different experiences. Mm. So, yeah, it was sick. Mm. Really good. So, going on to the junior men and speaking of the track, basically Jackson would have won Elite with his time. Mm. Before we go into that though, let's just run through the field. So, Jackson Goldstone put a, I mean, by their normal uh, relation to one another, a sizable chunk into Jordan Williams with Tegan Cruz coming in third just a few seconds back. Mm-hmm. Um, Bodie Kuhn and then Tristan Lemire in fifth but yet again between third and fifth very very close to one another all around a second now let's talk Jackson's time mm-hmm. would he have won in elite and why 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 wouldn't that be the case or why do the numbers not necessarily tell the full picture then um, it's you can't say for certain mm. um, but there is a five hour time gap between Jackson's run and the fastest people in Elite. And uh, the track, this kind of track changes so much. And we heard that the track maintenance uh, crew actually tidied up the track last night because uh, pretty much, because it's so loose, it just fills up with rubble, rocks and dust. So they swept a lot of the corners and had things running a lot quicker in the morning. And then through the day, it then degraded back to what it had been like the day before. So imagine, Elite fastest qualifying time was a 46. 
And then the fastest race time the following day was uh, 45. 40, yeah, 44, 5. 44, 45. Um, and then Jackson went faster than both those times. So I feel like the track was potentially a little bit quicker in the morning. Mm. And that's just a logical assumption, not a fact. Yes. Because um, there were actually four juniors in the top 10 in the elite men, which is irregular. Mm. So that would make me assume that this was the case. Not sticking it away from them because they're super quick and the times were very tight at the front and the juniors seem to be really cracking on this year. Yeah, but, they yeah. do, way. Eh? It really seems like, I mean, maybe it's it's always the way, like I said, you know, there's only a couple of years ago that Thibaut de Prella, et cetera, mm-hmm. he was just smashing through the elite, uh, the junior field. But it does seem like, at least maybe from a sporting um, spectacle side, mm-hmm. the juniors in both the male and the females, it's absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. racing this year. We've got a lot of fast racers. And it's through. just such a shame that nobody is interested or wants to watch it. Otherwise, they broadcast it, surely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine yeah. people would want to watch it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they'd put it out there. But clearly, no one's interested. So this is on you, audience. This is all on you. <laughs> <laughs> now, joking aside, I think um, I would whatever, you know, with Discovery, I mean, there, there will be changes afoot. And who knows? There might be some really positive ones. Mm. We just don't know. I mean, it's it's the lack of clarity, as you said. Um, but Jackson Goldstone, fantastic run. I mean, putting a second and a half into Jordan Williams mm-hmm. is no mean feat. And I wonder, as we close out this season, whether that could be a crucial psychological blow going into North America, or mm. it's only going to add more, add more fuel to the fire. We don't know. We're going to Let's find out. see. Yes. Let's see. We got what is it? Four more races to go, including champs. Yeah. It's such a sick story. It's like an Ant and Senna documentary or something. Mm. Yeah. For sure. What was the What was the one? Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. Something it's got like all that. the classic like, trademarks. Oh, just mm. what a battle. Yeah. I reckon. I, th- I mean, I, I presume Christian Bale would want to play me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's pretty versatile, but I just don't know if he could pull off a Henry Quinney. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just like, why is it like Christian Bale's crazy body transformation? He's never been so hard on his body. Is he just eats sausage rolls and cookies? Oh, the lengths he goes to for authenticity. He stands in the sun, burning. <laughs> ah, perfect red. The posture's so appalling. He must have trained so hard. <laughs> so, uh, on to the elite women. And she's only gone and fucking done it. Valentina Hall coming in around three and a half seconds faster than Nina Hoffman. Camille Balanche was 0.1 of a second behind uh, Hoffman. And a big jump specialist, Jess Blewett, the Kiwi, coming in just a smidge behind them, pipping Millie Yonset in fifth. Now, before we get to the really sharp end of racing, we should also talk about Pink Bikes Racing stand-in rider, Leona, who came in 13th. Now, to qualify for two World Cups on the bounce, having no real testing on a bike, is a fantastic achievement. I just want to have a big shout out to her. Harry, what's your take of Leona coming into the team? How, how things have gone? Yeah, it's wicked. Like, I remember like, Ben just sort of like, sent a message. He's like, yeah, there's like, someone new joined the team. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right, I guess I'll have to think about how that works. <laughs> yeah. Um, like it was so cavalier yeah yeah we've got another one I was like right storylines and how does this fit together I guess I'll think about it Um, but yeah actually you know what she just like fitted in like she was here from day one Mm. it was really like as soon as she arrived her vibe was perfect and it was great and I think that also she was just so appreciative of like 
the team vibe and like how friendly everyone was and how fun it's been. And like she said to me, oh, the last two weeks of racing is the most fun she's ever had in her entire life on the bike. Oh, no way. Yeah. Sick. That's pretty good. So like from that perspective, like I'm just stoked that like she had a good experience. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what will Leona's support look like from here on out, Ben? So we're, I, we kind of sold it to her as replace Jackson. Uh, our junior rider while he's injured for two rounds and then beyond that we will loan her the bike for the rest of the year and help her out with spares as much as we can but uh, our mechanic Peter has kindly uh, offered to also help her out at world champs because he lives in the same town and uh, yeah who knows we might even end up helping her out a little bit more at the final round of Elder Soleil but yeah she's just really really nice person yeah she's great eh? super humble yeah really yeah. cool having her around like originally we were like let's not overcommit here because we don't know her that well and then uh yeah so we did lens of Hyde, and then we're like should we just get her to stay with us for the next round like, yeah she's pretty she's yeah, she's chilled out yeah yeah like just no ego no, no agenda yeah. mm. just like genuinely loves riding bikes loves mm. riding bikes and i think um i know we were talking about it and she said you know like that it's been an amazing period an amazing opportunity that she's really grateful for but it's kind of almost kind of bittersweet that she's experienced this really kind of nice environment. And now um, now basically, I mean, we can definitely support mechanically in terms of the bike and stuff. But realistically, we've we've budgeted for the year for, for four riders in terms of accommodation, etc. Um, I mean, we will we'll try and sort it out. But, you know, we chatted about it. And I do think that maybe a situation at the start of the year, which at the time <clears throat> sounded really tough, and I really regret that she had to go through that. Mm-hmm. It might have just put her on a really good, you know, on a really good path to, because she's a first year elite. Mm-hmm. Anything, her career is going to be so far in advance and anything could happen. And she's certainly got the passion and the drive for it. And I just, I don't know, I would love to see her do well. Yeah. She also loves big jumps and she sends a big whip. So. She actually, she whips <laughs> does. so I, I, I was kind of taken aback when she showed yeah. me a clip. She's like, I did, a, I did a whip. And then I was like, okay, let's have a look. Was it these crosswinds you were talking about, Ben? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I do a few of those. It's uh, front wheel whips mm. where you whip the front end of the bike. Ben Castro, the human sail. Yeah. <laughs> he like came towards me on one of the trims and moved two foot over the... I was like, oh, that's exciting. There really? he goes. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of surface area. <laughs> yeah. And Ben, when you whip, do you use the bump stops to hit the frame to get it going? Yeah, you got to slap it. Slap like, it. Yeah. Because I put two bump stops on my right side just to... Just, just bam, get you, around. You turn your head 90 degrees. You think you're doing a sweet table as well at the same time. <laughs> Man, you've seen me ride. <laughs> So yeah, back onto the sharp end of the elite field. Um, Valley Hull, who's obviously an amazing rider. When I mean, she won the overall, was it last year? Yep. Um, and the final, she won the final round at the same time. Yeah, so. was it Snowshoe, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, but she seems to not always, always deliver. Mm. I don't know if that's basically the burden of being, having this enormous potential, and the fact that she is a fantastic rider competing mm-hmm. in a tremendously competitive field. And some, oh, well, she should have won. If only she'd, if only she'd just done what we know she could do. But actually, mm. of course, she's having to try really, really hard. But what a win. You know, um, Nina Hoffman, Camille Belanche, both having great seasons. And it's still a lot of season to go. Maybe she could be on for the overall. It's also yeah. quite a crashy track. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So I wonder whether she, like, rode safe because it's quite crashy or something. Mm, she looked like she was pushing. She was pushing. Mm. But, like, 
It just does a lot of crashes. Camille Belange was pushing. She had a pretty, yeah. by her standards, pretty scrappy run. Yeah, well, I was like surprised she didn't go down, to be honest. Mm. There was a mm. couple of big mistakes. Um, but she, yeah, held it together uh, pretty well. <laughs> I was actually, we, we ended up talking about the same thing in uh, our story of the race video. And it's like, I feel like we are part of Belly's problem. Mm. Everyone's always talking about her. Yeah. Everyone's mm. always talking about her mental state. And it's hard to hide from that. Mm. And it's like, I don't know what the solution is because, you know, everyone's still going to talk about her. And uh, yeah, it's just, I hope she figures out how to remove all outside influence mm. from her head and just focus on her own riding. And it seems like she's starting to get there. Mm. It's been, yeah, it's been a rough road for her. Do you struggle with that a bit? Everyone being like, Ben Catho, good mm. at bikes, are you? <laughs> Go and win this. No. <laughs> you know? I, I, I think. I've been doing it for long enough now that I kind of don't really care mm. what everyone else thinks. Yes. It's just do it for myself. And then if I do get good feedback, then that's just, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. But yeah. uh, I haven't really had much bad feedback yeah. yet. I've been really lucky in that, I don't know, I haven't missed it, mm. you know? Like there's a, I've not got a lot of haters. So maybe that'll come. Maybe when we go for the, Big grand you can plan. ask my mind if you like. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you did a race, Ben, that wasn't documented in video? It's got to be a long time. 1672. <laughs> no, there's definitely been a few, but they're just like low-key ones. Right. Like, when, since I started doing the whole filming myself and doing the vlogs and stuff like that, that was like in 2016. But I got really tired of it and I did some races without filming. So right. There's been some. I was just wondering, like, you know, you're probably, like, having a documentary made about the whole thing seems mm. very by the by for you. Yeah, it's just normal. There's another the camera guy. He's like, get up. Oh, there's a camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's in my own hand. Surgically <laughs> 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 attached. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, on to the elite men, um, Lois Vergier, what a run. How he's just so silky smooth on a bike. And speaking of people that have at least in a speculative, you know, media way, um, had some questions raised about their, their state of mind, maybe how composed they can be when the, when the stakes are really high. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love to see Loris do well. He's not someone that I know personally, but he just seems to be a lovely, genuine fella. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone has great things to say about him, and I love the way he rides bikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was end of last year, he was going to win the yeah. series and seemed from the outside like he crumbled under the pressure yeah so yeah quality in first and then backing it up with a first in the race it's fucking great to see man pretty nice and how sorry as everyone knows I'm something of a fashionista how good did his green kit look I thought it looked that quite a look. Christmassy oh it did yeah <laughs> you get him getting the bit jing- festive jingle all the way by <laughs> a couple of bells on the helmet yeah. <laughs> oh well yeah I've kind of ruined it now <laughs> and everyone kept on saying it looked great and all I could think was this looks quite festive yeah, it does. Like a red helmet. Yeah. really popped it off. But you could, could put some kind of reindeer motif on the down tube and yeah. you'd be away. But, like, you know, well done Santa with Santa Claus, your back and win. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely shit on it. <laughs> so um, no, congratulations to uh, Lois, of course. And in second place and third, we had, you know, the gruesome twosome of Loic, Bruni, and Finn Isles, who both quite, you know, eloquently stated out the purposes of the union and it was great to see you know just mm. them both you know it's kind of i don't know i think it's called 
two huge Red Bull sponsored athletes from Specialized, arguably the biggest bike brand in the world, speaking openly about the union, not shying away from that. Mm. Because to some brands, they probably be like, oh, easy now. And I just thought, you know what, fair fuck lads, you haven't, mm. you've stood up to the plate. And I thought they got a load of my respect for that, mm. both of them. Mm. Um, but fantastic results for them. Lloyd Bruni, what's that sermon, you know, coming back to this race. Because he, he rode last week, but I don't think he was necessarily quite yeah. on pace. Yeah, he, he said he was struggling. He was. said it was sore. Um, and he definitely, like, yeah, took it easy. He was just getting back into the swing of things. And then took a fair swing this week. Oh, my yeah. God. I was actually coming down on the chairlift watching one of his practice runs. And I just love the way he rides the bike. Mm. That muted style, sort of similar to Sam Hill. Mm. And he's not throwing his body around or doing anything crazy. It just tracks really, really well. Mm-hmm. And... He seems to just generate grip wherever he goes. Now, fourth place is... So, in terms of my fanboydom, it's Benoit Coulange at the moment. He's, he's number one. Mm-hmm. He had a massive crash, to be fair to him. But Aaron Gwynn, I've always really admired. I love his riding style, all that attacking style. Didn't know that. Did you not? No. Oh, News. me and Steve Jones would just talk for hours about wax lyrical about how much we love Aaron Gwynn. Mm. I just... You know, because I think he gets a lot of shit that he doesn't deserve. And I've always liked him, always, you know, whether it's Monson and in the wet in 2017, mm-hmm. I think Wyndham in maybe 2015, where he just came over that crest, just or Valdesol, I think 2012, when he put eight seconds into second place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I think there's there's so much to him. And I guess, I don't I don't like the sometimes sort of, um, I know the just, the kind of campaign of just not being very nice against him that you see mm-hmm. sometimes in the comments. And I, I don't know if that's maybe misrepresentative and it's just a vocal minority. Mm-hmm. But I just think there's a human attached to the end of that. Mm. And he just always, I've been met him a couple of times, he's always just been really nice. Mm. Um, I know people speak very highly of him and he just rides a bike amazingly well. And I think mm. he's done great things for the sport. And so he gets a shit ton of my respect and I'm, I'm really happy to see him up and forth. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't happy with his run. Or was he not? No, he made some mistakes. So... He did make some mistakes. He went wide at that one point, and mm-hmm. then he had a. He's lucky to stay on. To be fair. Yeah, yeah. I think Finn did as well. Finn mm. almost had a. Yeah, huge. He had a one leg off job. Don't know how he. I don't know how he still got that result with that mistake. I mean, wild run of the weekend. Maybe Eddie Masters. His was key. <laughs> loose, loose. <laughs> did you Did you hear what happened to him? No. Okay. So you know when he did this, the drop over the stumps and got absolutely mm. wild. Tooth fell out. Yeah, I heard about. Oh, I did hear about this. <laughs> no, he was this chewing happened, it on the way down. This happened. At, we did a race in Queenstown. Infernal frenzy. Infernal. Oh, I remember seeing okay. the GoPro of him like trying to find his tooth <laughs> in the dust as everyone was riding over it. He's just going. You can see his hand. He's doing like an Italian gesture, like my tooth, my tooth. Oh no! <laughs> okay, guys. If you haven't seen that video, definitely search Fern Hill Frenzy. Eddie Masters. Tandem. Tandem. The Tandemonium, I think it was called. Yeah. Fantastic. Him and Reese Potter and the fucking two. <laughs> he lost it again. <laughs> so funny. He was at the finish. He had his helmet out up at the camera going, oh, my, my two. <laughs> so good. He's one hell of a character, right? Yeah. And, you know, someone that, again, a great ambassador for the sport. His warm-up routine is excellent. What's what's going on? He uh, pops on some headphones with mm. some early two thousands pop hits, classic, and sings along openly. <laughs> so everyone else is like on the turbo soup, and then there's silence, and like <laughs> everyone's just like, "What was that?" 
<laughs> and it's just him in the zone doing his own thing. All Saints, pure shorts. Yeah, just singing along. It's absolutely <laughs> Pete the Mechanic told me about it, and I was like, oh yeah. And then like a moment later, it happened, and I was like, oh, it's like a distant volcano erupting. <laughs> Um, and in fifth place, hot, you know, straight after last weekend, he had a great result and he's backed it up with another Andreas Kolb, who really seems to be coming good at the moment. Now, that Atherton team, Ben, it seemed like, I don't know if this would be fair to say, but I mean, it's one hell of a job to fill any of the, the original three siblings' boots, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie Hatton, Andreas Kolb maybe felt for a couple of years like they weren't quite hitting their stride mm-hmm. but they really seem to be now Charlie Hatton as well was getting some great results the last year or two yeah. um, how valuable do you think because I think the Atherton team is a really interesting thing because it's not obviously like a, a vehicle for them to race mm-hmm. now it's this bike brand and you know I, I, I mean I'm very it's none of my business but I'm very curious about the commercial side of it mm-hmm. because I don't you know not, I don't doubt that he's planning to sell like specialised quantity of bikes but they're the title sponsor of their own downhill team. And how important do you think it is for them to have this next generation taken over the mantle off G and Rach and Dan? I think it's super important because in terms of marketing for their brand, it I mean, I don't know if we're just in a bubble, but it seems like it's that's it. Mm. It's people racing the bikes mm. that actually promote them. I mean, they've got their bike park. They do have a demo fleet there. But I'm other end of the country. I haven't been yet. I don't know if it's, like it's a good, huge actually. thing. Yeah. It's, it's honestly the bike park is good. Yeah. Um, I mean, fantastic infrastructure. They should have a World Cup there because the interesting thing is there's a pit space at the bottom of a downhill run. That's Revolutionary, surreal, surreal, and and the lift goes from the pit. I know it sounds like this it sounds ridiculous, but no, it was actually really really good. And is it 35 degrees and really humid? It, yes, yeah, 35 no, degrees. No, really not humid. You, arid. Yeah, yeah, yeah humid, the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> tried to be funny and failed again oh, the <laughs> <laughs> um, Pink Bike Racing's Thibaut Lally he was the first ever we call them the kids the first ever of the kids to make the live stream last weekend mm-hmm. he qualified for this race he felt that he may be at least talking to him bef- after qualifying mm-hmm. he thought you know he felt pretty good like he was looking yeah. forward to seeing what happened Talk us through his run, Ben. Has he t- spoken to you about it at all? And what was the result? Yeah, so times were super, super tight. Like looking at his result, I think if he'd been three seconds quicker, it would have been like in the top 20s. Um, and he said he had a really good run, uh, but he just felt like it was safe, which got him a decent result. I think he was 37. No, I think he's a bit higher than that. Sadly. He was 46th. I mean, it was still an incredible result. Yeah, mm, yeah, it's still really good. And he was saying he's really happy because that's good points for the year. Uh, it's good for his overall position because he's wanting to try and like, climb towards the kind of top end of the pack. Um, so it's better than crashing out, not getting many. And I think he was feeling really good after last week. And he was like, yep, I can feel like I can get into a top 20. And then this track was a little bit of a curveball for a lot mm. of people. And uh, I've not talked to him in detail about it. But uh, the, from what he said so far, it, it was just a bit too safe. Needed to really push on a little bit more. And so do you think it is a prerequisite of the job of being a World Cup downhill rider to be very comfortable with being very scared? Do you think that these top riders are, like Lois Verge, do you think he was riding down in spite of his fear? Um, it's an interesting thing because it's something we've talked about with Amy this week. 
um, saying that the train is so different from what she's used to doing. And I think to get up to the speed you want to be going at, you do have a period of being uncomfortable as you're pushing your envelope and getting up to what the maximum speed of, is of the terrain. But it, the people who are already there, I think, aren't really scaring themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be wrong because uh, it might be different for every person, but I feel like when I'm on like a really good race pace, I'm not scared. Mm. It's fine. Mm. This is the speed I go at. This is this is comfortable. Um, some people might push beyond that. Maybe maybe it's more common than I think. But I think for a lot of people that aren't used to the train, or maybe it's a faster track than used to. Yes, you do have to scare yourself a bit. And Harry, from a from a media side of an event like this, do do you think that? Because I think do you think having a track that makes riders scared and challenges riders? in their mental states is important for the draw of downhill well you don't want to turn into like a blood sport though do you no well, like, I don't know do you that's what I'm asking yeah well <laughs> the overlords of discovery probably do <laughs> oh smash oh, the place oh, up Henry oh no my my non-alcoholic beverage <laughs> my f- orange juice <laughs> my non 70 centiliter bottle of something clear and watery <laughs> um, what was I saying Oh yeah, not a blood sport. I mean, I don't know. This is, I think, and uh, this is maybe me being a bit of an outsider, but like, there's this like these rumors of like the whole discovery thing. Everyone's just attaching it to everything. Mm. So like, everyone's like, oh, the reason the media area isn't great at the bottom of the thing because they just don't care about us next year. And the reason this is because, and I'm like, I don't. It could just be coincidence. No, I mean, yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think that. Listen, hmm. the only thing that concerns me is not the changes; it's the transition period before the changes. So if they want to, like, there, there is merit to so many of the, the, the most extreme examples of rumours, be that in terms of field size or anything like this, there is some probably some degree of merit to it. The issue I have is if they say, right, next year it's top 30 only, be like, oh, well, that's going to just, like, you need to, it needs to be like top 50, top 40, top 30, mm-hmm. that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these rumours going around, like, I think there is that boogeyman, it's very, it's really lovely and it's like, Looking back, the Red Bull thing was always so perfect. No, it wasn't. No. Two years ago, people just complained how shit it was and how yeah. difficult it was and how they were mm. changing tracks for Red Bull TV and yeah. how it had too much say in it and how it was controlling the media too much and how it wasn't letting people on site. And now it's like, oh man, the good old days. It's like we're still in them. Mm. And they're not perfect now, you know? Mm. <laughs> like, Yeah, nostalgia is a powerful drug. It is, yeah. Very much so. Um, so, I mean, I probably am really trying to be very neutral and see what happens because we could be very upset about something in preparation for something a certain set of choices and that eventuality never even arise mm. like there's no point you know predeterminately being anxious yeah. about it and yeah plan and investigate um but what will be will be and you know yeah you plan for the worst and hope for the best that's the mm. thing yeah totally um that is a thing i've heard that before yeah i think that's scouts i think i learned that in scouts <laughs> Did you go to Scouts? Of course I did. Look did at you me. Really? <laughs> did you really? Was did it you good? Not go Honestly. To scouts? No. I, I, feel, I feel like me and Ben look okay, identical. We both went to Scouts. Hold on. So Ben assumed I was homeschooled. <laughs> Do you realise how like that was the most depressing thing? I was like, how dare you? He was like, what? I just thought you always would be. I was like, you're so. That is the worst thing anyone's ever said. You're so avant garde. You're like just not. This is dangerous. Do, Do you want to get another foot in there, Ben? <laughs> How are these not compliments? Dude, 
Do but, you want to be? Oh, you're really normal and boring. Dude, that's true. Bit, you're an edge lord, Henry. You know, Deal with it. Yeah, but like the homeschool kids, like Rod and Todd, or a kid called Oberon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm pretty like. I can understand where it came about, but that's why it stings. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> Um, one thing for the track quickly as well if, uh, what I did love about it is like to film it was absolutely oh my God. it was like a clay porter edit mm. top to bottom mm. if they could do that every new track mm. I'm happy I'll pit wherever I, mean, <laughs> I, I think on the live stream it didn't. the top section didn't look that spectacular no but on that chair if you watch your riders go beneath you it was up mm. there the best I've ever seen I mean there was that one longer, like long left berm that you gapped into and then gapped out of on the shark mm. on the shark fin, which is a term I picked up last week. <laughs> um, oh, you're a free rider. No, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and I saw, um, I think it was Ollie's var, mm-hmm. um, maybe it was his brother, the national champion of the two. Mm-hmm. He loaded up on that square off that turn, and the amount of like swirling rooster cooked up with this fine dust. I'm mm. just like, wow, that's sick. Like it was amazing to watch mm, I think the, like the live stream just because of like the way you have to just like cover loads of the track mm-hmm. just to try and like it just always compresses everything it makes the spectacle of it just so much but and like that's, sorry to jump in go on I'm gonna jump in it'd be really <laughs> annoying but this is what I don't understand I'm gonna go off a bit of a tangent mm-hmm. so there are limitations of how we live stream one relatively short downhill track so I'm gonna go off on a big tangent here this is the thing that I don't get with EWS at the moment, or for these last couple of years, is that it used to be like people go away for like two days riding lifts, do 10,000 meters dessert, and you find out who's fastest. You get a few pictures, and I thought it was great. <laughs> now it's like we do five stages, all that we know are really hard to film anyway, then it's a bit more remote than downhill, and they don't even do blind racing. I'm like, we just get the worst of both worlds. Just give them a pack lunch, send them off on some chairlifts, and just be like, right, go race like 40k and 10,000 meters descent and who's fastest riding some blind stuff. I think it was fucking cool because I think there are so many limitations of just trying to film one downhill run when it's a fucking open piece, you know? I think there is a way of doing it, though. That would be good. And also, like, you want people to make a living from riding their bikes, so you need people to watch it. Yeah, but the EWS riders make more than the downhill riders. Do you think? Yeah, we did, mm. we did a state of the sports survey. So, mm. unless they all lied. Yeah, they do. And quite... Coming in here with your stats and figures. Coming in here. facts. With your genuine concern for wider welfare. <laughs> you piece of shit. Like, Go back to homeschool, loser. <laughs> I choose not to believe your facts. I've got my own facts. <laughs> yeah, alternative facts. <laughs> so, um, Ben, what is next for pink bike racing? What's on the cards? Mm, so, Jackson just had his cast cut off. Mm. So, he's going to see if his wrist still works. Uh, he's not allowed to ride a bike yet, so he's going to have to come up with some other thing he can use it for. He started training tonight in town, drinking with two pints. Yeah. The <laughs> doctor said to us in the hospital, um, she was like, oh, you know, like, you know, look after your wrist, take it easy. He's like, what about like riding a bike? She was like, no. <laughs> he was like, what, what about like a bike park? She was like, no. He's like, in a week? She was like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> did, you tell, did you explain World Cup in a week? No. <laughs> Snowshoe? Um, so uh, that's what Jackson's up to. Mm, yeah, so he's he's wanting to try and get fit for snowshoe. We're just gonna have to see how it goes. Uh, I think it'll be looks like the bones healed. So it's just gonna be is it comfortable? Can he ride with it? We'll see. Then Leona is heading home. She's gonna do some French cups. Um, then Thibaut, he's also heading home for a bit to do some work this week before flying out to snowshoe. Myself and Amy are going to go to Morzine get some laps in. Yeah, I'm feeling 
incredibly unfit right now and I just need to ride my bike lots before heading to America. Yeah. And then everyone else has got some personal things and plans and go and relax and try and mm. cool down and try and get ready for another double double header double header two double weeks header in a row. The, yeah with a flight in between on the road you know North American rounds always a bit well they can be like liberating because you don't have all the mm. all the truck and everything but they're very liberating until it goes wrong I think mm. and then you're like oh my god the safety of the truck um, <laughs> thank you very much for listening to another Bucket Boys podcast I genuinely apologise if the audio is too clear. There's a quite a busy road outside, motorbikes going past, and lads have got a confession. I deliberately knocked over that beer bottle. I wanted to keep it real. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers. See ya. Thanks.